Are you registered to vote? Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org, where you'll find all the information you need to be ready for Election Day. Headcount tours with musicians to help concert attendees register to vote, but you don't need to leave your house to register or to get voting info. Register to vote by visiting headcount.org. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mixtape, Mixtape Memories. Memories. I'm Jenners. And I'm Matt Hart Spade. And we're here today with a very special guest, Abru Yildiz, a portrait and documentary photographer. She put out this amazing book, We've Come So Far, The Last Days of Death by Audio. Thanks so much for being our guest today. Well, thanks Yay. for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... I met you so long ago, and it was like back in the days when I was managing Dirty on Purpose. Exactly. Um, it was like you and another uh, friend of yours, right? And maybe it was like an article, like from a tur Turkish publication, I want to say. Well, could be, but um, there were like a couple of magazines from Istanbul that I was doing like some work with. Could yeah. be one of those. Was it with Dirty on Purpose? I want to say that it was, and her name was like M Melis, Melis. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Jesus. I can't believe. Yeah. Okay, so it is like for Trendsetter magazine, and she was like interviewing people, and I was taking photos, but it, that didn't last that long. I think we did like three, four pieces. I feel like that was like the first like ever communication. And then I just started seeing you around town at shows. And <laughs> like, because that's what we did back then, right? Like, we were mm -hmm. at shows like every night. <laughs> yeah, literally every single night. I don't know how we had like that much energy and that much money <laughs> 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 to spend on like shows and drinks and, you know. It's true. <laughs> yeah, because I know in the beginning, like, I paid for concert tickets. So, like, I would plan that sh shit out, like, ahead of time. I mm -hmm. would be like, go to the box office, grab some tickets, and, like, have it on the calendar for a while. I think I remember meeting you at practice space. Like, yes. the, when Dirty on Purpose was in there, like, I just came to say hey, and they were like, oh, this is Jin, the manager. And, like, that's, uh, like, that's how I remember. But, yeah. again, like, it was those times that I don't know, I don't remember how I met anybody or if yes. I met them at all. Like, you know, because after a while, just because you it's see everyone around. It's a bit of a blur, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. How did it all start for you? Like, how did you get from Turkey to New York and kind of start your whole journey into this music photography world? Well, I came here to study. I grew up in Ankara, Turkey, which is the capital of Turkey. Everybody knows Istanbul, but nobody knows Ankara. It is more like Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, I mean, even then, like I had like interest in like live shows and, you know, music in general, but um, there weren't much happening there. Mm. 
and I just moved here to go to school for advertising and marketing and my whole dream was like to work at an advertising agency because mm. you know like <laughs> what better better place than New York City to study and work at the indu uh, advertising industry of course <laughs> yeah. like the minute I started working in advertising I hated it with <laughs> everything yeah. I had I'm like I feel like I'm either like a completely different person right now or like I had like a completely different uh, understanding of advertising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> now here, I graduated with the same degree and also worked in advertising for a period of time and wanted to pull my hair out. Yeah, Yeah, I, I mean, it is just, it's, I don't know, it's brutal in mm -hmm. every sense. Like, I mean, psychologically, I think it is, I mean, manipulating people into buying things <laughs> that they probably don't need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's weird. But anyway, so that's like that's how I uh, I moved here, and it took me a long time to figure out where the music is happening. When I say long, I mean long. Like I moved here in '98, so it was mm -hmm. like 2001-ish. Mm -hmm. I figured out Lower East Side is like you know there are things happening in Lower East Side, but before then, like. I mean, I didn't have any money to spend anyways, but like I had like no idea what was going on. I actually, um, I was thinking it this morning, the very first concert that I went to was The Cure. Oh, oh wow. wow, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, it is a good one, but like I learned that the show was happening the same day. I'm like, I'm gonna go and wait online to see if anyone sells their ticket. And I got the ticket for $100. That was like the most money I ever spent ever wow. since I moved here. And it was a terrible show. I was so disappointed. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, where was it, MSG? No, no, it wasn't MSG. It, that's the other thing I was trying to remember. I think Hammerstein Ballroom. Oh wow, that's pretty intimate for them. Yeah, I, like, I think it was 99. 1999 yeah yeah wow so that was like the very first one and it was so like i had no concept of like people selling like fake tickets or anything <laughs> like that but anyways my tickets were real though so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know i always worry uh i've never bought like tickets from scalpers so i feel like i'd be too paranoid that it's fake yeah and also like you know they look sketchy like the people <laughs> yeah you could tell yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've only once ever in my life bought off a scalper off the street, and it was because I think years and years ago, maybe 15 years ago, Interpol was playing Radio City, and they did multiple nights, and I went the first night, and it was great, and then I wanted to go the next night, but I didn't want to spend full price on a ticket, so I waited until like five minutes before they hit the stage to see if there was a scalper outside that was desperate, <laughs> and I did find one who sold me a really good seat for 20 bucks, and oh, it wow. was a real ticket. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Meanwhile, I spent like... 90 the night before <laughs> on the, on, yeah the one i pre-purchased <laughs> yeah i know i i was going to shows like all the time and all the venues like there's so many venues back then that it's it is kind of like they all blur together after a while like yeah like i mean especially um, like in lower east side it is like it's just like every door was some sort of venue at some yeah. point absolutely like yeah. especially on ludlow street but you know, I was also thinking, um, so the, me like finding out about like the local scene was uh, actually a place to where strangers, I saw them play in at Coralium. Have you guys 
Do you remember? I vaguely remember that room. Of course I remember the name, but I don't think I've ever been there. So it had uh, real mermaids sw uh, swimming inside a ginormous mm -hmm. uh, That's fish right. tank. Oh my God. So <laughs> pretty. So I mean, it is so weird. It was in like meatpacking district or somewhere around there. And yeah. I remember like I went there to see another band. We d I'm not going to name, but it was a shitty band. <laughs> <laughs> But they photographed well, so I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll take their photo. So, uh, and A Place to Go Strangers was headlining. I, my jaw dropped. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I love this band. Like, I, I mean, I fell in love with them, like, the minute I saw them. It, it was amazing. Um, yeah. It was with their first drummer. Uh, he Justin, was like a beast. I yeah, I think he that was He was a beast. Like, he I was couldn't like believe. <laughs> Yeah, he was the craziest drummer. <laughs> I, I remember, I'm like in awe, like watching them on stage and their set ended and he kicked his drum kit and <laughs> I remember one of his um, cymbals were like flying towards me and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going <laughs> to die, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and I thought like, you know, he was like angry at something, but turns out he was doing that more often, I guess. Than mm -hmm, <laughs> but it yeah. was so exciting to see it. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I remember like I was working at ASCAP at the time and one of my coworkers was dating the bassist. Oh, Tim. Tim. And she was putting them on these like showcases that we the company was doing and I remember I think the first showcase was like at South the one that I saw them at was at South by Southwest at like Hard Rock Cafe or something. And yeah, I know it was a terrible venue. And like the yeah, they were crazy, and I obviously instantly fell in love. And then, but I, that was at the time I was managing Dirty on purpose too. And so, I think it was like maybe their record release show, or there was some show we had at Piano. So I put them together on a bill, and then they <laughs> fell in love with each other. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're amazing. For some reason, I always thought that, like, just because, like, um, you know, they became roommates, I always thought that, like, they knew each other from way before or something because, I don't know, it just felt like they knew each other. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you, it was, like, definitely, like, an instant, like, love affair, I think, between the two bands, <laughs> and then, you know, and then, you know, the rest is, like, history, you know, like, they were all involved in, like, starting Death by Audio, and, and then that whole scene started, so it was like a crazy, you know, series of people introducing each other, you yeah. know, so that's kind of like, I mean, like, it's probably still like that, but, you know, when I was, like, heavily involved, like, in the industry, it felt like people, that's just what people were doing, they were just like, introducing each other there was like tons of like networking going on and it felt but it felt very kind of natural yeah now mm -hmm. i feel like it's more forced or something i don't know i mm. i don't know either i'm like i've been thinking about it it is maybe like just because like i'm not out like every night like i used to yeah maybe it is still like you know happening somewhere else like in that yeah, sense. it's just to and younger people. <laughs> yeah, because I know, like, you know, I can tell, like, from the, you know, bands I shoot, they're kind of, like, uh, clumped together. Like, yeah. they're, like, groups of people together. So I'm assuming, like, you know, Dirty on Purpose and A Place for Strangers, those guys were, like, 
kind of clumped together trips. Yeah. Yeah, they I also each remember have a like their one of the shows that they did at um, the back room, like I mean the living space of Desperodia, while they oh were yeah. trying to raise money to build their bedrooms. Yeah, it was <laughs> dirty on purpose in a place where strangers. It was so cool. I I I loved it. Yeah, like you know, like watching them like look because they were like playing on the second floor, the second which floor. like I refused to go up. By the way, it is hilarious <laughs> because. I, I mean, like, the night before, uh, we were, like, getting drunk with these people, and then they built stairs and a second floor. I'm like, I'm never going up there. <laughs> like, totally didn't trust it. It didn't seem safe, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I definitely, like, if I was ever on the second floor, I'd be, like, t you know, lightly <laughs> kind of walking but around. But, I mean, they endured for, like, 10 years of madness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it must have been crazy, like, I was never, like, the person that could, like, live with a bunch of people like that. I mean, there were always people there, in and out, all the time. Like, you couldn't really, like, have, like, a normal life. It was definitely, like, a clubhouse, you know, so. I mean, there's no way. Like, I mean, I can't possibly imagine. No. Like, with that many people involved, like, I don't know. I can't, I can't possibly imagine myself living in a situation like that. Yeah, but, but I mean, it was special. I, the idea mm -hmm. of it is amazing. I think you have to have a certain personality to be able to survive it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What it all came from was like this love of music and art and just being creative uh, with a bunch of people that you like. So I feel like, you know, this must happen with every generation in some way, you know, yeah. but this was like ours, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah our for version. sure. And also, um, like, I think the other important thing is that they were all, like, not were, they are all very nice people. Yeah. So it is, like, easy to be around and, you know, especially, like, for someone like me, like, I not barely speak the language, but, you know, it is, like, English is my second language, so conversation, like, you know, it is... I'm already feeling conscious about like lots of stuff, but um, I remember feeling super comfortable and it comes from the fact that they're like good people that radiate that goodness. Mm -hmm. Like you feel safe with them or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is like super important when you're kind of hanging out with people every day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I know, it's special because, like, you can't, you know, there there are terrible people out there in the scene, but, you know, we were lucky to, like, know this group of people. I also thought that Ollie from Place of Very Strangers was, like, the nicest guy. Like, anytime Ever. you'd see him, he'd always have, like, hey, what's up? You know, oh, and, like, yeah, he's, like, smile always, on his face. Like, always excited, always, always happy, always have something good to say. Yeah. But I'll tell you, like, I'll tell you a secret uh, <laughs> that he told me. I'm Because he's, like, you know, whenever, like, a band comes, like, maybe I shouldn't say this. Well, anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> so he, he sees a lot of shows, obviously, and, like, lots of bands like look up to him and yeah so they like they come to get his approval or something and i'm like you cannot there's no way you like every single band like you know no way yeah and how is it that like you make them like feel okay with <laughs> what they're doing like how do you find the words to support them or something 
he said the trick is to say, uh, oh, that set was very inspiring. And yeah. I'm like, mm. he's yeah. like, it could be like inspiring that it was so good that it, in, it could be inspiring so bad that you never want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's like, that's a nice way to say it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Just to stay like positive. That. Yeah, I like that a lot. Because like, yeah, like how many times have we gone to see a show and maybe you know the people or you get introduced to them and then you like, if you don't like it, you have to say something. <laughs> you, <laughs> know? you don't want to be negative, yeah. you know. What I would do is uh, on my sites back in the day, if I went to see someone I know or someone I didn't know and I didn't enjoy it, rather than writing something negative, I would just ignore it. But then they'll follow up with you and say, like, wait a minute, I thought we hit it off. And I'm like, yeah, we might be friendly with one another, but I hated the music. It's very difficult to say. Yeah, and you know? also it is like with music, it is something so personal, like very personal. Yeah. There's no, I, I mean, like a place to work thing is I love them from the first minute I saw. But I also remember, like, them, I remember they were, like, playing a show, um, I'm not going to say the band's name, uh, with another friend of mine's band, and even though their music was not good, the room was, let's say, there was, like, 20 people or whatever, and then a place where strangers comes on, and there's only, like, two people left, like, yeah. you know, everybody leaves, like, they used to, yeah. you know, clear the room, because... You know, it is not everyone's cup of tea. And it's very loud. <laughs> and I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair, yeah. I wanted to go way back and kind of ask you about what you were listening to, what you remember listening to growing up, and what were your favorites back in the day? And did you make mixtapes? Did you receive mixtapes back in the day? <laughs> oh, my God. I made mix. Like, that. that's like the best part. I actually, I'm the only person that, I know that was making mixtapes among my friends and I had like my brother used to come to United States like a lot for like business or whatever so he'll bring back these cassette tapes and normally in Turkey the ones uh, we had what like 45 minutes I think in total like both sides combined and the ones that he brought back were like 90 90 uh-huh <laughs> and i was like so psyched i'm like oh my god i never have to like switch tapes ever again <laughs> yeah. so i i remember i did one like one with all turkish music which was like not necessarily good turkish music more like cheesy not pop but i don't know i i still like some of the songs so i'm not gonna of course <laughs> that they were all cheesy and then another one with like all uh you know european and american bands i used to like one of the most influential bands for me was uh the velvet underground like mm -hmm. i love them and it is you know it is one of those uh bands like i remember like the first time i heard them where i was how the light was how it felt mm. like i remember everything about that moment uh, so Velvet Underground definitely, and Nirvana was mm -hmm. like another favorite, and The Cure, mm -hmm. and with The Cure comes the uh, Depeche Mode, mm -hmm. uh, but I was more The Cure than Depeche Mode. Um, Smashing Pumpkins, but I wasn't really that into, but they, their you know, name was around, oh, oh, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> 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 and pulp pulp was like pulp yeah so 
so big, like so big mm-hmm. in Turkey that different class album mm-hmm. was like my favorite. It's one of those you know albums that I can I can sing along to every yeah. word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classic. Yeah, and also <laughs> imagine this is like I'm talking about a time where there wasn't any in- internet, so probably whatever I was singing was not the lyrics, but <laughs> in yeah. the general <laughs> vicinity of. Well, sometimes the misheard or the missung lyrics are better than the original lyrics anyway, so <laughs> it, it works. <laughs> that is true. And also it kind of like you make it your own in a way because it's just like that's how it makes sense. That's how you feel connected. So I don't I don't see anything wrong in it. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, so you moved to New York in the late 90s. And then when did the advertising world end and photographer begin kind of more full time? Well, OK, so the full time like. So 2001, like around September 11, actually, it was like a really big change for me because right before like that August, I quit my advertising job and I was like, okay, I'm like, you know, uh, I'm done with it. But I also wanted to see, because like while I was doing that, I was a strategic planner, meaning like I was researching and like kind of coming up with uh, advertising strategies that you communicate to the creatives and they come up with research. And I really like the visual part a lot. So I was like trying to see, okay, I want to see if I have like any kind of talent or any, because obviously I'm interested, but like, I don't know if I could do it. So uh, I took a printing class, photo, photo like a darkroom class. That was in 2001 and also like a graphic design class. And, but I was like on a, I was either on a student visa or a work visa. So for that reason, I could never like pursue it as a career because I had to either work for the company that I was working for. So not till like six years ago, I started doing it full time. Before that, it was always like, on the s- like it was something that I was doing for myself and like for the Turkish magazines and stuff but so yeah did that answer your question I'm like it I'm did <laughs> no it did I, I've, I've uh, I should have said this earlier in the episode but I've been a fan of yours for a long time so it's nice to finally get to oh, like thank you, thank, thank talk you. to you I like this yeah I know your photos really have a mood to them and I oh. just love that and I could tell that you're like trying to like tell some sort of story there well thank you thank you it is like the like it, it is interesting because the mood of my photos kind of like the stay the same i think my uh, like technique got better like i i love moody photos and like little life and all that so like finally i <laughs> i am able to get what i want like what i want to have but in the past like it was kind of like oh this works kind of like trial and error Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah but now i think you have when i if i were to see a photo of yours i would kind of know it's yours based on the style of it and the, the colors and the light and whatnot thank you yeah, i really absolutely. appreciate it that's like a the biggest compliment you can okay oh, <laughs> <I mean> <laughs> thank you i wanted to ask if you kind of um geek out when an when an artist decides to use one of your photos as like the album art i like Wait, you mean like the, if I get like excited? Giddy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean like it is kind of like, that's also what a big honor, like because it is like, I mean, they're putting their soul and 
hard into this album and they think that like your photo you made is matching theirs and it's kind of like naming their baby or something y you know <laughs> like it's kind of like I, I mean I feel I, I always feel so humbled I'm like re like really really <laughs> it is very like exciting and um, it sometimes like you know sometimes it comes as in like oh, I didn't know it was going to be an album artwork, but they see something that works and they want to use it. Or sometimes like we work towards making one, which I also enjoy because then I get to hear the album first, like before anyone else and, you know, try to visualize it and come up with ideas that conveys the feeling of the music. And, you know, that's like, I really like that process too. I love that. That's so. like, because you're actually like, in-depth involved in the kind of creative process there then yeah like i i really enjoy it. some you know some people have a certain like idea like what it should look like but then some some are like completely open to ideas and you know that's like that's really exciting and you know especially when they have the idea and if it is like matching my style that's like that's exciting too because i can see that why they're asking me instead yeah. of like you know so. yeah but you know like how some pictures they're almost like just too many layers of things that are like maybe not the real person you know and and your photos they just look like you're just like almost like unraveling everything trying to get to like the core of like the person oh my god you're like you guys are making me like all red well i mean i you know it's like yeah like you can really tell and like you know i was gonna go to that um exhibit that was up at tvi right before pandemic that you did on the women behind the scenes in the music industry yeah. and I, I mean i could just tell by how everyone who was like a subject of the shoot was reacting to your photos of them because they're probably not used to like being photographed in that way you capture something and they like got to see it from your perspective you know something in them so i think like i, I think that's like pretty cool i i think that is like a, a actually an interesting part of the process because it is like kind of like they see themselves through your eyes in a way yeah like in a different way than they they're not used to but yeah. not necessarily like and i'm not talking about like for example wh one of the uh, woman in the project she was like so certain that like oh my angle is this like i know it is like i like just because like also she's younger and so she's like so used to doing selfies and stuff i'm like okay that's cool but let me do what i want to do and then you'll see and she, it was actually uh, it was like a full frontal photo and she really liked it and she said like she commented on it saying that you like you were right or something like and it just made me feel good because like you know just because i always thought that she's gonna hate it just because this is not the angle that she's used to <laughs> but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah you're able to see something and capture it you know and it didn't and have to do with angles or anything like that you and know? i thought every single one of them was so gorgeous like i didn't have to do anything they're like everyone is like super beautiful it is as if like you know they're just requisite <laughs> to be like you have to be pretty to work behind the scenes <laughs> <laughs>
you've done both concert and portrait photography now and like do you have a favorite between the two or well I I actually like so I started off like with concert photography because it was just like so much easier for me well first of all like you were saying uh like I was going out every night so it was kinda like giving me purpose to be at shows like without looking like a freak like [laughs] by myself uh so that's and it is also easy just because you don't have to talk to the people you don't have to do anything you just go and shoot and but I was alwa- and there's like something super exciting about like live photography just because like I love consuming music in a live setting so it is like that is to me very special and very intimate so I like I'll always love that but um I I think like if I have to pick one like I would go with portrait photography because just because it is um so much more intimate like to like to connect with a person on that level and because nobody is comfortable in front of a camera so like being you know like talking to that person and like making sure they're doing okay you're doing okay so it is kinda like a whole exchange so it is not like only your reaction but it is kind of a collaborative effort which I love and you know I get to like I I get to get a sense of their personality and like so that's always fun like I I think I find like people in general really interesting and fascinating like so I love like I love getting to know a person and it is like I'm not one of those people who can like chat up people like you know some people like uh I have a friend like she can talk with anyone on the street for hours and I'm like so jealous of her in that sense like I can't do it like so that's kinda like my opportunity to like talk with a person and I feel like I do better like on- one on one than like just meeting people up like I don't know yeah um so yeah I guess like portrait photography is like I I enjoy it a lot if I I I mean but I love them both for different reasons like with portrait it is like more controlled like you're in a setting you literally have like control over everything except of course if you're doing like quick portraits at a festival or something then they put you in a room saying okay shoot twenty pe- twenty different people uh and make sure they all look different that's different but [laughs] most of the time you have like full control and the thing that's exciting about the concert photography is like you have no control over anything like including lights or where you're standing or what they're doing like so that's like very exciting in its own way Mhm Some of your portrait subjects are these iconic stars like Blondie and David Byrne and Laurie Anderson and what not A is it kind of intimidating and B when you go into that shoot and um it's a subject that's been photographed you know for decades upon decades um how do you kind of envision the project so you kind of make it your own? Well I guess like you know uh Laurie Anderson would be like a great example to give because first of all I think like the way I think like you know someone being iconic or famous or whatever it kinda like ends in your head in many ways like 
I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it, but let me try. So it's just kind of like, you know, it could be like, let's say Oliver, right? Like he's like the, uh, I'm talking about the lead singer of A Place to Go Stranger. He's like the sweetest guy. I might be like more nervous taking his photo than like someone else just because mm -hmm. I'm like thinking so much more highly of him than anyone else, like in that sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's like, that's kind of how I feel. But of course, like the, for example, Laurie Anderson, Jesus, I thought I was like dying. So I the first time I shot her, it was actually at her place. So we went to her studio and she had like the cutest dog, but I'm like just so nervous, just so nervous overall. But I'm also very nervous before every single shoot. <laughs> like yeah. this is like, you know, my partner always <coughs> makes fun of me. He's like, you've been doing it so long. You can't be, I lose sleep like the night before. Like in general, doesn't matter because it is like, you know, that person is like putting so much trust in you. And yeah. like, I kind of feel like kind of crushed under that responsibility because what if like I'm wasting their time? What if, if I don't come up like, you know, they don't like the photo. Going back to Lori Anderson, so that was the first time I shot her and I like I was fine with the photos. Uh, like I like them and all that. But the next time I shot her, it was at a festival. And right before I shot her, I actually saw her play before she started her set. She was like, well, I watched an interview with Yoko Ono and she said they asked her how she feels about Trump. And her answer was like she started screaming and she just didn't stop. Like it was just like a one long scream. <laughs> and she said that like she felt like really inspired by it. And ever since that, like she's been applying it and it just feels like release of energy so during this mm. festival there's tons of people and she's like okay let's do it together and like everybody screamed on top of their lungs and i i get goosebumps like ta talking about it uh. i almost cried like it was just so beautiful and mm. so i'm supposed to take her photos and but i don't know if she's gonna be okay with being photographed or not but like two days straight and uh, during the festival, I'm like, if I'm going to get to shoot her, I'm going to ask her to scream. I'm going to ask her to scream. So I'm like working myself up. <laughs> so like she came, uh, she agreed to be photographed. She came and I was like, I'm trying to explain her like, oh, could you please like, do you think you could do it? And she's like, oh, sure. And then she started like screaming. And that's, that was my favorite photo that oh I made gosh. of her. That's awesome. Yeah, it was like, it was really really cool and so like first time i was nervous second time i was nervous then she actually asked me to do her pet photos which i'm like oh Amazing. my god i'm that's another kind of responsibility and that's like a other level of stress but every single one of them was like stressful for the different reasons because you know if you're photographing someone for the first time you would think that like you'll be a little bit more at ease because you know her but i'm like <laughs> like I like not uh, yeah I was super super nervous so I guess the answer to your question is like I'm never like I, I'm just like dying inside <laughs> as I'm like as I'm shooting it but like looking all together from the outside <laughs> that's the secret of life we're all like that I feel yeah, yeah for sure and it is so funny like with those shoots I'm like 
I don't remember a word I say, and then like I come out of it like, oh my God, what just happened? Like <laughs> I can't <laughs> remember it. Like it's kind of that kind of nervousness. Well, I think that's cool. I mean, you got obviously you I, with that one instance, you got a photo that no one else would have thought of, you know, because of the story and the attachment to that screen. Yeah, 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 for sure. It is like that. Yeah, if it like, I mean, I might have missed it. Like I didn't hear it or maybe I was in a different emotional state that didn't mean much to me. But it was just a super powerful moment. I'll never forget it. Like I'll just never forget that's awesome so now you've come to the point where you're doing this full-time and you have your own studio is it two studios or one big studio well it is kind of like um, there are three studios actually okay okay okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it started as like you know so six years ago when I um, decided to go full-time like when I got my green card I got my green card six years ago that's what happened um, I decided to get a small space to do portraits because I'm like you know I can't invite people to my apartment like you know I, I'm dealing with friends and stuff so then I started renting it out because you know like freelance work is like uh, you get some and then you don't have anything and then you realize that Oh my god this is it i wasn't supposed to be like a freelancer i'm never gonna get another you know assignment or whatever so during one of those freak outs i'm like okay i'm gonna rent it out so at least i won't have to worry about its rent so it kind of started like that and then my partner mitchell was like well you know we are already putting so much work into this why not like you know uh, invest some money and turn it into a business so that's how it started. Now it is kind of like, I mean, I shoot here all the time, obviously, but uh, it's kind of his baby, like uh, everything like he did. I mean, obviously I'm helping him, like the way he's helping me with my shoot. So it's kind of collaboration, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there was just like a, a new expansion to it that like looked amazing like oh really God, fancy tell me about it because <laughs> that was supposed to that was a decision uh, that was made last christmas but wow. the space was almost ready uh, at the beginning of march wow <laughs> so it's kind of like <laughs> it, very stressful yeah. but uh, i mean it's life at the same yeah. time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just had a quick question about your concert photography because I was watching an, an interview you did, I guess, a couple years back, and you were just talking about feeding off the energy of the crowd and how in a lot of instances that also shapes the photo, and it's, it's sometimes what goes on off stage as well that kind of builds the, the aura of the, of the mood of the photo. So I was just hoping you could just uh, touch upon how that kind of that adds into the equation of, of the whole portrait of the night. You know so yeah that's like absolutely right you know when you're going into a show i think it's the same for bands too like it depends on the crowd like they either play a great show and you know they give so much energy and they take so much energy from the crowd and i think it is the same with uh, uh, like photography as well because like you're like when i'm taking photos you're like 90 percent of the time in the middle of the crowd so mm -hmm. it is like, you know, people bumping into you, 
if you you know they're like feeling energetic that's like lifting you up if they're like you know sad or whatever it's just kind of coming on to you too i mean it's kind of like with this pandemic too we are like connected in a in insane way like it is almost like so solid that we can see it so it is kind of mm -hmm. i think concerts are like the micro version of that like you just like emotionally and physically i think you're like super connected and i lo i love that i love that about live shows because it sets the mood for everything and you know the photos are as good as the show and the crowd so mm -hmm. Speaking of concert photography, <laughs> you and also actually it was like also documentary photography in a way, the the death by audio book. What was it, like seventy five days in a row where you were there and kind of documenting the shows and what's going on behind the scenes as the venue was closing. How did that all come about? Like the idea for it? Um, and then how was it afterwards after you put it? Well, you know, Death by Audio was always, it, it is like such a special place for me. Like, I mean, I think that and A Place to Where Strangers, I, I mean, it's kind of like at the same time, my life like completely changed into a different direction too. So it is like, it's a, it, like, it's really important. So it is like, if anything, like if I'm still shooting today, like partially because of that scene and uh, a, a Place to Where Strangers. I was there like so many nights at the beginning, but then like I kind of gave a break in a way just because I broke three feet and fractured my upper jaw. At the, at the, I think we were just looking at it, the third show the, in the official venue. Oh wow. And so after that I'm like, okay, I need to take a minute. So, um, well anyway, so it is also, that was also an important moment in my <laughs> <laughs> for many other reasons wow. uh, because it is also because of that I met Michelle who is my partner now so it's kind of like all connected <laughs> in a different way but so when I heard it was closing I was like oh my god I just I felt like I need I really need to document it so I get in contact with Matt and Oliver and and I didn't have like any intentions of uh, making a like a book book, but I was thinking, oh, it would be like a family album that I can, you know, give them or something. So I started like drawing. Uh, I wanted to document like the people living in the space, the the pedal factories, the rehearsal yeah. space, and also the shows because they invited back all these bands like who kind of grew out of that space. And they, you know, they had like the best intentions. They are like, if we are gonna go out, we might as well go out with a bang, which is what they did. And it, it was amazing. And so, yeah, like, and a couple of weeks into it, and I was like, oh, like, I, I was making so many photos. I'm like, there's no way, like, it has to be a book. So it kind of, yeah. like, it kind of shaped in my head, like, at the very beginning of it. But that wasn't the first intention. And I'm so glad, like, just so glad I made it. Because it is also kind of like, you know, there are like all these uh, really important spaces uh, in New York City that I don't, I didn't get to experience, like uh, Max's Cancer City or like CBGB. 
uh, I would say like even like that place Hokies, like which was like not my time. Do you right, remember? used to be the levee used to be Cokies, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, but <laughs> yeah. like you know places like I read like or hear about like these places, though that doesn't like compare to the other places obviously. But it is like even if you are not there, like just seeing a book of photos of how it felt to be there, like I think that was very important and. I kind of didn't want that biodia to disappear without having like a solid visual documentation. Yeah. Um, I think it definitely deserves it. Shall we hop into repeat skip? Yeah, let's do it. So our first EP. Actually, it's the first EP, I think, that we've uh, reviewed uh, in this yeah. segment. But is a worthy the first one. <laughs> uh, definitely a worthy one. I mean, it's it's legendary. It's the first Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's EP, which is, I believe, from 2001. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember them seeing perform these songs at Siren Festival in 2002, I think. Um, it was the year Sleater Kenny headlined. That was that might have been the first time I saw them actually, and I was kind of instantly enamored by Karen O and, and the band, and it kind of grew from there. And then to this day, they're one of my favorite acts of all time. So I'm interested to hear what both of you think of this EP. Well, like in my case, actually, so even though that EP was 2001, I actually started figuring out where the live music happening around 2001-2002 so I was actually late to like I mean late as in like even though I was in New York and into music I totally missed out on their like small shows or the shorts or whatever so it was kind of like I was like literally right after that but the first time I heard Yes was like with this EP and it was like I, I, it just blew me away like it just blew me away I think it is because the feeling of it was like going very parallel to how I was feeling at that moment. For example, in this EP, there's uh, my repeat uh, one is Art Star, which mm -hmm. I love, like one of That's mine as well. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not Jane's. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my repeat, but honestly, it was hard for me to pick a skip on this album. Like, I would probably repeat a lot of these songs, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I mean, it's like just so good. I mean, the album artwork is so good. The photo is, like, amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And it is, uh, yeah, like, I actually, for the longest time, I thought the name of the EP was Master, which makes sense. But yeah. The necklace and everything. Well, a lot of people thought it, um, which I think is kind of funny because it totally makes sense why yeah. you would think that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like it just makes sense on many different levels just because I think like Karano is like such a badass and like the way like he like I mean I well first of all the mood of that song is like super agitated, agitated and then like calm and like yeah. kind of happy and bubbly almost. So I, I, I love that. Like I just love that. And also, like, you know, her lyrics and the way she expresses herself is kind of, like, I mean, like, it's one of those things, I want to be like her, like, I want to be able to be that free and with no concerns. Mm. I know. There really wasn't, like, anyone like her at the time, and I also just, like, related to her, like, being half Korean. Seeing someone like that in the scene be so bold and 
crazy fashion was like part of her thing. She had like this edgy look to her. She was dating Angus from Wires at the time. She was like fucking power couple, <laughs> indie rock couple, you know, and yeah. like, and I was just like, who is this person? I want to be her. <laughs> so, like, you know, and I, uh, I used to do like really stupid things on my blog back in the day. And like one of them was like a parody of like, um, in style magazine had this thing uh called steal this look where they would like take a picture of a celebrity and then like break down their look you know and like where you can buy it and i did a parody version of that called steal this indie look and it was like i remember having carano on there and it, yeah like it was probably like my picture from the siren festival that year and like <laughs> made me like you can get this here festival was also amazing like i mean mm-hmm. I, I yes. wish it is one of those festivals that never ended yeah it's always super fun to go um i know i miss it i mean you know there are festivals that are trying to bring back that same feeling but i think it's just a hard to do because that was such i always say at the moment in time but it's so true like i don't know if it can be replicated in the same way like because music industry has changed and festivals have changed like the idea of festivals have changed i mean those three concerts in the pool do you remember them? of course yeah incredible i mean i don't know how they pulled it off at all like i uh, like right now like i feel like every single show I, i mean before the pandemic was selling out so fast and with those shows, you're always, even though they're free, you were able to get in, which I think yeah. was really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had, like, killer lineups. Yeah. yeah they, I mean, at the pool, they had major indie acts yeah. for free, like, right as they were, like, their most buzzworthy. Yeah. Jelly yeah. NYC, mm-hmm. pool parties. I mean, like, I'll never forget them. Like, they were crazy and in, like, just giant empty pools in the middle of Williamsburg. But, like, it was because indie rock was really just hitting that mainstream trend right then. And that's where, I mean, talking about advertising and marketing, like, this is where companies are spending their money. It's like, oh, well, yeah, I want to sponsor you because you're cool and you're hip and you're with all, like, the young people, you know, at the time. You know, we were all in our, like, 20s or so. And that has all changed, you know. And now it's all about what is Gen X listening to, you know. So it's, Mm -hmm. like, those are the kind of uh, acts that will probably get, like, that corporate sponsorship to bring you a free festival. But most festivals aren't free. No. No. Um, It can be really expensive. And then, I don't know, I feel like most of the lineups kind of suck. <laughs> anyway, off topic. <laughs> <laughs> but kinda like but all true. Yeah, but all the festivals lineup are like kind of like same in different order on different days or something. Like it's just that's how it feels. Yeah. Well, it, well, Jin can probably speak to this better than I can, but I think a lot of times with the booker, they'll say, "Okay, if if you know, I'll we'll have this major act for Coachella, Lollapalooza, and X, and then you're also going to bring these 10 bands on, and then the same 10 bands and headliner are playing every major festival in the U.S. and in Europe. Oh, you know? I did not know that. That makes sense, though. Now that kind of explains a lot. Yeah, it's, it's all like a lot of transactions and less kind of 
curation, I feel like, right. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, to go back to, yeah, yeah, so, like, yeah. I picked our time, and I feel like maybe, like, just doing this during, recording some of these episodes during the pandemic, I was, like, I've always seemed to pick the song that, like, could work as a pandemic theme song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, no, I feel like. I feel you. Yeah. No, it's it's funny you say our time because early in this pandemic, I drew a photo of uh, of Karen O and I quoted our time because I think it, it does e- feel eerily like of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I was reading that this was one of the first songs that she wrote on her own. And and I just think like, I don't know, there's just like a real honesty to that song. What did you guys want to skip? Because I feel like, did we all agree? No, we didn't all agree. I think Matt and I are on the same page with Kiki, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was Mystery Girl. And actually, it was an easy pick. For some reason, that I never connected with that song. But, yeah. that I don't have much to say about that track. <laughs> it's just not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Yeah. Just same goes for me. It's not my favorite either. And I would say, like, Our Time, if I had to, like, that would be my second favorite. But I yeah. think with all uh, our time, like it got so over, not overdone, but it's just like I heard it so much that like, yeah, kind of I don't know if I actually like the song or it's just because I'm just so used to it that I like I don't know like you know one of those right yeah like it just grew on you yeah. or something no I mean I like it I like uh, I like its lyrics the yeah. like the whole the year to be hated I think it's mm-hmm. like perfect so mm-hmm. good yeah. I, well, you guys wanted to skip Mystery Girl. I mean, I, I didn't mind that song too much. <laughs> you know, I think that I probably listened to that song a lot back in the day, but it's definitely not my repeat skip now. But my skip was more uh, Bang. And I think it was, I don't know why I picked that. I, it, was, it was hard to pick one, but, you know, as a fuck son, you sucked. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That always like makes me laugh like every time I hear it. I mean, actually, back in the day, I probably would have probably would have like an anthem or something. You know? Like, <laughs> you know, when that's when that EP came out, I would play Bang on my college radio show a bunch, and I did not know what she was really saying. Speaking of misheard lyrics, I didn't know she was saying that. So I would play it all the time, and then finally, like someone at the station was like, "We're gonna get in such trouble." <laughs> <laughs> with the FCC if you keep playing this song every single week. <laughs> and I said, well, what is she even saying? And then he told me, I was like, okay, we're going to move to track number two or track three. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it's just kind of like me listening to Velvet Underground and not knowing they were, you know, singing about drugs. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, my gosh. You know, the second album we're going to talk about, obviously, is very close to your heart, A Place to Bury Strangers, Exploding Head. That was their second album, and it was their first major label release, and their first on mute. Totally epic album, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. It's funny, because I think Ali recently posted, like, a clip from Keep Slipping Away's music video, like, on Instagram or somewhere, and... That was directed by Greg Wilson, who was like an oh original. Oh my god, I remember. <laughs> Death the by one audio. Like, like where they are trashing a TV, no? Like yes, yeah, so they're like throwing mm-hmm. this TV outside of this apartment window. So I, I was excited when you chose this album, too. Yeah, I, I mean, mm-hmm. how could I not? Like, it is literally, like, I mean, like I said, A Place to Burst Strangers definitely, like, the very first band and those songs are actually like before that album came out they were like playing 
them like at their shows and the funny thing is like I remember they were like playing once a week at least like they were just playing every night almost it felt like and my favorite song is uh, I mean I always loved that song like that was my always my first big uh, I live my life spent in the shadow of your heart it's like the most emo <laughs> it is really of. is <laughs> but it kind of fits like it kind of fits like it, not, not like it kind of fits like me I guess like I love it like I love the name I love the song I know it should yeah. be like the title of a mixtape actually <laughs> yeah it should I remember hearing them perform that song well before this album came out Delancey at Mercury Lounge and various other places and just always thinking that song was like such a moment so I was glad that it was included on the on the full length yeah. Um, that yeah that's also my favorite from the release although I feel like this is an album that just flows so well and it's very difficult to pick something that can be skipped so but yeah I think that one just because that was the first song that like I don't know I felt deep inside of me and I was glad that the recorded version lived up to the live version you know or mm -hmm. vice versa yeah yeah that's like I think that's like super crucial for like I mean any Approachable Strangers album just because their live shows are so intense and mm -hmm. loud yeah. and so it was hard to get that on recording I think but that's yeah. Yeah, I mean that whole album is I think amazing also the, uh, Deadbeat yes love like, that I yeah. love that song mm -hmm. yeah and I'm also just for the record I'm not gonna pick a song that I'm gonna say that I'll skip yeah you don't have to say anything if you don't want to <laughs> no no but seriously like i think again like going back to like i listened to this album so many times that or like li heard the song so many times in live settings and the recording that i i feel like i know every song by heart so there's no way i can pick something to skip because yeah. it was like you hear it, it was like you this song, I love this song. Like whenever yeah. it comes in, like in a shuffle or something, I'm like, I love this song. And it's yeah, yeah. I understand that feeling because it, it it does feel like a collection, so mm -hmm. more than you know a bunch of singles or something like that. I think the only skips that I picked were just based on tempo or like they weren't as like driving and fast paced as the other ones ego death and lost feeling but that's the only reason i picked them yeah. you know whenever i think of uh place by strangers i always think like loud crazy fast okay. and also but also like dark romantic <laughs> like you know haunting kind of yeah it feels like it is funny because they're like the nightmare of every music photographer uh, <laughs> but at the same time because like even like the first show that choral room show i was talking about they played in complete darkness like th there was just no light there was one i think safety bulb that was hang hanging <laughs> in the middle of the stage so it was just like whenever someone passes through there, like that's like your only opportunity, uh, wow. window of opportunity to take a photo. And now that like, you know, they're playing bigger stages, it is like the flash <laughs> and the smoke and I mean, it's insane. It's like everything. <laughs> but that's that what I love, on. like that's yeah. just like, it's super cool. And I saw them actually at Brooklyn Bazaar right before that venue closed. Um, in its old location uh, before the 
the one that was on um, Greenpoint uh, Avenue. Greenpoint Avenue, uh, where they it was the one they were in some other location. And, yeah, they uh, were like kind of between Greenpoint and Williamsburg, no? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. BMW. Right, it turned into like a BMW dealership or no, something like I that. I didn't realize that. But yeah, it's, it's not a dealership, but it was like a, I think like a creative center or whatever. Like they had like, <laughs> but I heard that it's closed or closing or something. So, but okay. see, that's like what happens all the time, no? Yeah. Like they take over something just for a few years and then gone. Yeah, yeah. and it's sad because then it displaces, you know, a really great cultural kind of. You know, institution that Brooklyn Bazaar was really becoming, you know, in the community, and and now Brooklyn Bazaar is homeless again because yeah. like that other space, you know. Yeah, but I feel like everybody's homeless or about to be homeless. Like I know. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunately. It's, yeah, it's just sad. You know, it's it's really scary to think, but I, I really feel like something's gonna happen where people kind of regenerate and regroup and like come together again at some point when the time is right. And just start to really rebuild, you know, the culture. Because, yeah. you know, as, like, the rich people are moving away, maybe more people, artistic, creative people can afford to come back, and maybe there'll be a new resurgence, you yeah, know. Yeah, well, I hope so. And I, I just think that, like, I was just thinking about it this morning, that we all been through, like, so much, and, you know, we've been processing all these, like, information and emotions, and I think it's just gonna, like, bubble out of people as, like, uh, creativity and new projects, and, and hopefully yeah. with a clearer head, too, clearer head and clearer heart. Yeah. I love the way you put that, and I agree with you. I think a lot of people in my life, and myself included, are just kind of figuring out the next phase of what we're doing in so many aspects, you know? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, there's no, like, there's no going back to normal or what it was. Like, it's just, uh, like, I, I mean, I don't know. It is a new, everything is going to be new, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That felt like a, like a really good way to end it, but then we didn't talk about your skip, Matt. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think also, yeah, it was a difficult decision. I ultimately picked the title track just because I didn't groove with that one as much as the others. But I, I think it's a nearly perfect album, so it was very, it was, it was challenging. But if I were forced to, I'd pick the title track. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that that track kind of just makes me giggle because exploding head. But that's just me being like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. This was such a great chat. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Mixtape Memories. Memories. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 